You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you so much. What a wonderful time of worship in musical form and in the form of taking the Lord's Supper tonight. Thank you, Pastor Wayne, for being a wonderful service host today, guiding us through all those important parts, and Thais, and Matan, Vadim, and Yosef, and Stefano. I mean, I could just go on and on about our team in the back, Vaco, and Dan, uh, Josh, and Ryan. I got Jessica, Anna. They're all serving. And then our ushers had to do double, triple duty today. Thank you so much, ushers and First Encounters team with Valerie and Eugene and Wilbur, Cheeky, James. There's many more I probably missed. Thank you so much. We're glad you're here, King of Kings. Welcome home. Welcome back. Shana Tova. Happy New Year. Sort of. You know, I don't know if you're protesting the happy part of that or the fact that it's, it's just one of the New Year's that we celebrate. Either way. Welcome. We're glad you're here tonight. It's going to be a great night in the Word. We welcome all of you watching online tonight as well. King's Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms all around the world. We welcome you. We've got a great crowd joining us, not only in the house, but also online tonight that I want to recognize from Austria. We, we bless you from Austria. And uh, uh, Bahrain is with us tonight. I don't know that I've said that one in a long time, but Bahrain is with us. Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, Hungary, Israel, Kenya, Malaysia, the Netherlands, Norway, Philippines, Poland, Romania, Slovakia, South Africa, United States, England, Ireland, and there's probably more that you didn't tell us, but welcome all of you that are watching online. Welcome to King of Kings tonight. Uh, I think you're going to be blessed today, and I just want to look around and make sure I'm not forgetting somebody. Yeah, there's some people we need to honor tonight. There are dear friends. I just want to mention uh, Carl Heinz and Ursula Geppert are here tonight. We bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here from Germany. They're in the house tonight. And um, Carl Heinz has served us in lots of different ways. Uh, Carl Heinz and Ursula also. You know, they're a blessing to King of Kings. Uh, and have been for many, many years. The, the first way they blessed us was they had Daniel Geppert as their child. That was the first blessing we got. Now, those of you that know uh, King of Kings, we have one of our congregations in Herzliya, and Daniel and his wife, Jaylene, lead uh, as the lead pastors in Herzliya. So thank you for Daniel. We appreciate that gift of Daniel. So these are Daniel's parents, but also they've been serving these. The, uh, Carl Hines is the founder of AKI, which is a support ministry for Israel and Israel-loving people, bridging the gap, teaching the Jewish roots of faith. But also now he's moving into a new role with us to, in essence, become our ambassador, our King of Kings ambassador in the country of Germany. He's going to be teaching on our behalf. He's going to be leading some of the Israel Academy of Ministry school uh, classes, as well as congregation plans classes that we're going to do together, both in person and online. He's going to do lots of things. Carl Hines, bless you today. We're glad you're here with us in the house. We're going to start a new series tonight. Uh, grab your Bibles, get ready. You can get ahead of me if you want. Deuteronomy chapter 10. And in this new series, the, the overall series for a couple of weeks is going to be called Gaining Strength. And it's really good to see some of you back from holidays. You know, some we haven't seen for a couple of weeks, but we bless you. Welcome home. Uh, 
Um, others will join us here in another week or two. But this, this series is called Gaining Strength. And we know, because we talk about it a lot, it's a life vision for me to make sure that you understand why you were created. I never want you to forget why you're created because you won't achieve your goal if you don't know what your goal is. You were created to rule and reign with the Messiah. That's why he made you. He creates this vast universe and he wants to share his authority. He delegates it to you. Your job is to pick up that authority, be trained by the Spirit of God to lead like he would lead over whatever he gives you. And for that purpose, you were created. If you don't know about that, go back in our archives. You'll hear it mentioned many times. Now, we're in the process of becoming mature and being prepared for that calling. We may not be there yet, but we're on our way. And we're glad that God doesn't judge us and remove us from his covenant because we have not yet achieved all that we will become one day. So it is with the nation of Israel. Don't forget, we talked about that just last week. But along the way, friends, there are many challenges for us as believers. And so tonight's sermon is specifically entitled, Life is Hard. Maybe I'll get a quick show of hands and see how many people are honest in the room. Have you ever encountered something hard in life? Let me just see your hand. Praise God. I appreciate the double hands that went up. I really appreciate that. That's honesty. I saw a foot. Yes, I saw a foot. Thank you. I, 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 I bless you and your feet. Yes. Um, you know, life is a lot. It's a lot. Life is exhausting. Kids are exhausting. That's not my sermon tonight. I just wanted to say that. I, I feel like I needed to say that. I've got four of them. My oldest one is 20. My wife and I have been tired for 20 years. But I digress. Life is hard. Life is exhausting. Um, a famous actress, Catherine Hepburn, she said, life is hard. After all, it kills you. I thought that was pretty fitting. Life is hard. After all, it kills you. You know, David Gerald also said, life is hard, and then you die. And then they throw dirt in your face. And then the worms eat you. So be grateful it happens in that order. <laughs> Although it doesn't always feel like it happens in that order. You know what I mean? Dirt in your face. I feel like I've gotten that a couple of times right out here in the pavilion lobby uh, when we've been persecuted. I feel that that's happened. But you know, life would be even harder if we did not know Yeshua. It would be even harder if we did not have the salvation of Yeshua, his teachings, the Holy Spirit empowerment and wisdom that he gives us, the scriptures that he gives us to guide us. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, our opening verse. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. That's important. It's important that you know the why behind it. He's giving us the laws, the commandments, the boundaries for our own good. It's not just so that he can brag about how good his laws are, although he could probably do that too. 
but it's for our own good. And there are many things in our life trying to take away our strength. They're trying to take away our joy, our passion, our vision, and our energy. And not all of those are children, by the way. Lots of things are trying to steal all of this from you. We have enemies all along the way. No matter who you are, you have enemies. Some of you may be saying to yourself, I'm such a nice person, I don't have any enemies. I'm letting you know tonight you have enemies. Some of them just won't tell you they're your enemies. And some of them live in the spirit realm. And they don't even want you to know that they're your enemy. Genesis chapter four, verse seven. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Friends, sin is always crouching at your door. We must master it. You know there's never a break from this, by the way. You know that? There's never a break from it. The enemy, he doesn't obey God's commandments. I don't know if you knew that. He doesn't. He doesn't take a Sabbath. Seems like that would be nice if Lucifer would take a Sabbath. Leave us all alone for 24 hours. That'd be nice. He doesn't. Sin is always crouching at your door. It is always knocking. It is always trying to get in. And there's never a break from that. Not until the day we live in the new Jerusalem in our redeemed bodies with Yeshua and he finally says, and now there's no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more sin. Until that day, we're still fighting. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. This life is going to constantly try not only to get you to sin, but it's going to try to get you into a habitual pattern of sin. You understand? Like sin, there's a one-timer. There's that. You want to avoid that also, but there's the one-timer, and then there's the habitual practice bondage prison that many people live in. And we are called to constantly be making progress and living lives free from sin. We cannot let sin or temptation master us. And the Bible encourages us that even when you feel like you're trapped, God always gives you a way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. One lie we need to get past tonight is the lie that says, I can't do this. That's a lie. It's from Satan. It's a trick. You can. You can endure. You can say no. You can run from evil. You can build good habits. You can choose righteousness. The only person trying to get you to believe you can't is Satan. Tricks, lies. I mentioned the enemy doesn't take Sabbath. He, he apparently doesn't sleep much. The enemy is constantly on the attack. Ephesians chapter 6, 14. 
Stand therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, with all taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Fiery darts. Some of your translations might Flaming arrows, I think some of the translations say. These are attacks. These are lies. These are temptations and offenses. And notice it doesn't say, and stand that you may be able to block that one fiery dart he will throw at you. It's not singular. Stand firm, put on the armor, remember the word of God, stay in his presence so that you can block all of the fiery darts. All of them. That means there's a lot of them. And they're coming from all different angles. That's why you don't just have one piece of armor. You don't just have the helmet because that's not the only angle it's coming from. It's also not only going for your mind, he's going for your heart, so you might need a breastplate. He's going for lies, you might need that belt of truth. Well, he's gonna try to take away your boldness and courage to preach the gospel. You might wanna guard your feet, put up a shield, These fiery darts are coming from all angles, lies, attacks, temptations, offenses. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What is a scheme? Well, I've taught you before, a scheme is when the devil gets you into a loop. It's a loop. I tempt you over here. Come on, do this sin, do this evil. And now that you've done it, I want you to really feel bad about it. You're guilty, you bad, pagan sinner, horrible person. Now you're full of guilt. Now don't you feel bad about that guilt? You should do something to make yourself feel better from that guilt. Why don't you look at that, drink that, eat that, say that. All these sinful temptations come your way to try to get you to feel better than the guilt you were just feeling. And then you give into that coping mechanism to take away the bad feeling. And all of a sudden, there's the accuser of the brethren. Ha ha, you did another evil thing, you bad pagan sinner. Guilt, guilt, guilt. And it's a circle. You just stay in the circle. That's how people get addicted to something. It's just a circle they stay in. And then once the enemy's got you in this scheme, in this loop, you know what he can do? Wipe his hands, walk off, leave you, because now you're going to do it to yourself. And he's going to go create a loop with somebody else. Now, why does the enemy have to do that? Because we don't know the exact number of the, the demonic angels, but we know there's not as many demonic angels as there are godly angels, so we outnumber them, right? Not only greater is he, that is in us than he that is in the world, but we are more than they, the scripture tells us. And so he can't play one-on-one defense. Come on, sports people. He can't play one-on-one defense. He's got to get you in a scheme, play a little zone. But it's schemes, fiery darts, lies, temptations. Sin is always crouching at your door. Life is hard. And even if we're not talking about demonic attack or sinfulness per se, life is still hard. You know, living in Israel is not easy. Can I get an amen? 
I know a lot of our friends are watching online. We love you. Thank you for your prayers and your support. Can't wait to get a chance to see you here in the land. But can I tell you, if you don't live here, you probably think this land is a lot easier than it is. You probably think we, we walk around on clouds and like the Holy Spirit touches us every five feet and everybody loves us because we're the people of God in the land of God in the covenant of God and it's just heaven on earth. And uh, it's not quite like that. It's a little different here in the land. It's hard. This is a young country still trying to establish our infrastructure, trying to get our government to function correctly. Haven't figured that out yet. Still working on it. Still working on getting a constitution, by the way. We're like a country trying to be a country. We're on our way. It's hard here. Another thing that's hard here is that depending on what culture you come from, maybe you come from a culture this is not a big deal, but where I came, had come from, from the United States, I really appreciate this word, protocol. <laughs> protocol means there's a manual and everybody has to follow the manual. You have to do what is written because it's the law. But in Israel, they don't have that word. That word doesn't exist in Hebrew, apparently. Or at least it doesn't mean the same thing. Because there's no protocol here. It is the person you're standing in front of, whether it's the post office, the mechanic at the auto shop, the Ministry of Interior, Ministry of Education, the, the, the Mizrad, uh, any, I mean, really, any of them, I could name all the misradim. You know, it's the transportation or it's health. It doesn't matter. There's no protocol. It's what, however the cup of coffee was for that person that morning is what you're going to deal with. If it was sweet enough, you get a sweet deal. If it was bitter, you're going to get a bitter attitude. That's how it's going to work. It's hard living here. Life is hard. There's ongoing wars. You're like, oh, pastor, I thought... This is the only one. You, you guys haven't declared war since, what, 1973. What do you mean ongoing war? That's just, that's just when we declare war. There's actually a war about every other year. Some kind of operation or attack or invasion or bombings or something. There's war all around us all the time. Terrorism, constantly. Even when there's not war and there's not a military operation, there's constant terrorism. Constant. Try making Aliyah. I appreciate how much you appreciated that statement, by the way. It is, it is so difficult. I had a poor couple last week. We finished the service, came down for prayer, and I had prayed for them a couple of weeks before about their Aliyah, and they came down and they're like, we got denied again. We've done everything we know to do for years. You know, it's just this constant like, this is when protocol would be really helpful. It could be the language barrier that a lot of us fight through, the culture barrier. Maybe you don't understand why we act the way we act. The systems don't work the way you think they should work. There's persecution on the outside. We could walk out after this service. There could be people waiting for us out there. That happens quite often. Let's talk about visas for a second. 
I don't mean your Visa card, although that could be stressful too. Getting a visa, staying in the country. This is a country, by the way, if you haven't learned, this is a country that doesn't want you to stay here. It doesn't want anybody to come here and it doesn't want anybody to stay here. It wants to keep the terrorists out and everybody else. It's always trying to spit you out, these cultural stresses, then finances. Notice how long my list was of life is hard and I didn't even touch finances yet. Did you know that at the end of uh, 2023, end of last year, Israel was voted the most expensive country in the world to live in? As if we needed that on top of everything else. And you say, well, that doesn't, I mean, I've seen what it looks like out there that doesn't seem like the most expensive country. Hey, don't judge us just because it's broken and dirty and hasn't been repaired in 20 years. It's hard over here. We have other things to worry about. We can't renovate everything. We're fighting wars every other year. But finances, why are we the most expensive country in the world? Because our cost of living is as high as Europe, but our wages are half. And that is the formula for being the most expensive country in the world. Try to buy a house. Went to a bank a couple of years ago. My wife and I were like, oh, hey, we're putting our roots down. Let's go to the bank. I went to the bank. I was like, we want to just start the process. We'll start small. They were like, show me your finances. I showed her my finances and she laughed. <laughs> She's like, Olim Chadashim, Chamudi, you're so cute with your numbers. Think you're gonna buy something here? Get out. <laughs> so how do we handle all of these pressures, these disappointments, these challenges, and the stresses that we've talked about? Well, Yeshua warned us of all of these things and that we would have difficult times ahead of us. John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. There is a promise. It's not the promise you were hoping for, but it is a promise. You will have trouble. Get ready for it. There's peace that is available, but you will have trouble. You will not avoid all the trouble. You will have it. It's a promise. So our starting point is to first acknowledge that life is hard and there are real challenges. Just acknowledge it. Just take the pill, swallow the pill. You got to be done with that conversation. Life is hard. There will be challenges. There will, there will be trouble. You take that pill, it's time to move on. You can't wallow there. You can't stay there. You can't dwell there. can't live there. Just acknowledge it and you move on. However, our second note is to acknowledge that Yeshua overcame the world, and since he has overcome the world and its sin, lies, temptations, and pressures, then we can trust him to show us the way to overcome it. He did it. He can certainly show us how to do it, and he, he, he is showing us the leading of the Holy Spirit, the written scriptures, the community of fellowship together that encourages one another. Yeshua blazed a trail for us so that we did not have to do it on our own. A third note from that verse 
is to listen and obey the instructions of Yeshua that we may have victory as he did. Now, immediately what should jump in your mind is, okay, trying to compare us and our challenges to Yeshua, God in the flesh, and his challenges, I don't think that's apples and apples. You ever played that game, apples to apples? Yeah, it's fun. This doesn't seem like I'm comparing the same thing. He's God after all. Yes, but the scripture tells us it's not as easy as you might think. Remember, Yeshua did all of this in the human flesh so that he would have felt similar pressures and trials. Hebrews 2 verse 9. But we do see Yeshua, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Whatever it is you feel pressure from, he has already tasted that for you. He has already overcome that for you, and he's already shown you how to overcome it. There is no battle that you're going to go through that Yeshua doesn't want you to win. I feel like just prophetically, I need to say that again. I just felt like a wave of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what that feels like, well, at least for me, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, when I feel like the Holy Spirit says, I, my power is behind that statement. Like, he's like, do that one again. It, it feels like hot oil. Sometimes I feel it on my head, my heart. You know, it's like I can feel it. So I'm just going to say it again. There's not a battle you will ever go through that God doesn't want you to win. You were created in the image of your father, and he's never lost a thing ever. And in his image, you are not just a winner or an overcomer or a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. There's nothing you should ever lose because God wants you to win every single battle. That's the kind of God you serve. And we also know that Yeshua felt the temptations coming his way like we do. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. For this reason, he had to be made, made like them, talking about Yeshua, the them is us. Yeshua had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You don't have a high priest that doesn't understand. You, you don't have a savior who didn't go through it. You don't have a king that never fought a battle. The difference is he won every battle and he can teach you to do the same. Now, throughout this series that we're calling Gaining Strength, several of the pastoral team will be teaching. And in this series, we're gonna be looking at how Yeshua overcame the hard parts of his life, but also how the patriarchs, the matriarchs, and the disciples were also able to overcome similar things. How did they do it? We don't want this to be pie in the sky stuff. We want this to be practical. I'm not going to stand up here and say, hey, the next time you have a hard part of your life, just have faith. For me, I don't know how to do that. I don't know where to grab. 
It's not that helpful. You're also probably not going to hear, hey, the next time you face a battle, trial, temptation, or sin, you know what? Let's just confess positive things into the air. That's good. Do that. Keep doing that. But I feel like we need something with a little bit more tangibility. What did the disciples do? Show me what to do. Right? So we want to be practical in this series. So I want to start off with the figure of Daniel for just a few moments. And I'm going to kind of open you up to Daniel, but I'm really going to focus on Daniel more next week. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview here. Let's take some tools away from Daniel. How did Daniel overcome evil, find joy in the middle of trial, and gain strength in the Lord? Well, let's remember that Daniel had been taken captive during the siege of Nebuchadnezzar. We have friends right now held captive in Gaza who understand what Daniel went through. And he understands what they went through. By the time we pick up the story, Daniel is already a prisoner and he's been taken to Babylonia. He was in a place he didn't want to be in. He was in a job he did not want. Anyone? Amen? He was being influenced by pagan people. He was being pressured to do things he didn't want to do in a pagan way that would violate the Lord's commands. What does it say in Daniel 1 verse 8? What did Daniel do about all of this? Daniel 1 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. And the Hebrew is wonderful here. Daniel al-libo. It's Daniel had already decided in his heart. There's a good English word is resolved. The conversation was over. That's a good way to think about it. The conversation was already over. It wasn't as if Daniel was being in the middle of this, I should, I shouldn't, maybe, maybe not, ah, uh, it feels good, uh, over. It was over. Daniel wasn't going to go back and revisit this conversation. I will not defile myself from what the Lord has commanded. It was done. So if you want to take a tool away tonight, the how-to, you start by resolving in your heart that the conversation is over when it comes to sin and temptation. Over. I'm not going to keep thinking about it. I'm not going to keep letting it swirl in my heart about what I should tell that person and how I can get back at them. They said this to me, boy, this would be a really good comeback. You capture those thoughts. You resolve it's over. I will not defile myself. And that's the first lesson we learned from Daniel. What a great lesson. We're just getting started. He set his heart in the right direction, and he made a predetermined decision. Daniel was proactive over his attitudes, not settling for a passive role in life to simply take the blows that life was throwing at him. You see, a lot of times... We're feeling like we are overwhelmed with life because we are letting life overwhelm us. That's a passive approach. 
One lesson we might be able to take from this is to sit down, ask the Lord, okay, where do I feel overwhelmed and how can I get on top of that thing? How do I become active on that thing? If I have fear, how do I stop fearing it? Show me what to do. If I'm struggling in this area, what do I do about it? Do. Do. Be doers of the word, right? Not just thinkers of the word. Not just talkers of the word. Not just positive confessions of the word. Those are good too. Keep doing them. Be a doer. There's something you have to do in these moments, and Daniel did it. Daniel resolved. He made up his mind. The conversation was over. I'm not a victim. I'm not passive. Whatever's being thrown at me, I will find victory in that thing. Be proactive. Let me give you the key phrase of tonight. Succeeding during challenges and temptations is a proactive thing. If you think sin and temptation is just going to magically go away, you will forever be defeated. I had, uh, just before Rebecca and I got married, uh, back in the 1900s, There was one of our elders came up to me and he said, listen, I just want to give you a little advice about keeping your heart pure and everything. And he said, listen, just because you get married, all the temptations you had don't go away. Great advice. He was like, you got to be on your guard. Your spouse is not going to solve every problem you've ever had. All your temptations don't just vanish because you got married. But friends, tonight, we're not victims. We're overcomers. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Yeshua is the Son of God. Daniel resolved in his heart. He had already made the decision. The conversation was over about sin. Daniel did not take a passive approach to trial. He took a proactive approach to trial. He was aggressive against it. And next, Daniel would not defile himself, meaning he had made consistently good and intentional decisions about how to live, how to eat, how to pray, how to talk. He had already mapped out a life that he was going to live, and all he did was just execute the plan. There's a lot to be said for having a plan. That doesn't mean you're not flexible and God doesn't intervene and maybe help you navigate something new or take an opportunity or say yes or no to something. Of course, there's some flexibility, but without a vision, people perish. Without a plan, you'll never get there. Daniel had a plan. He wouldn't defile himself and he was consistent in his good decision-making and the structure and the discipline of his life. And then Daniel trusted this. And this is where maybe we could take a step forward tonight. Daniel trusted that if he did his part to obey the word of God, that God would do his part to take care of Daniel. That's the do part. 
It says in Daniel 1.9, now God had caused the officials to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Notice Daniel didn't cause it. God caused it because Daniel resolved not to defile himself. So God caused favor to fall on him. Daniel also stayed engaged with his purposes and his calling, and he was regularly pursuing how to use his giftings that God had given him. You see, again, not passive, very active, and God blessed his giftings as well. It says in chapter 117 of Daniel, this is our last verse tonight. To these four young men, he's talking about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. He resolved. He obeyed. He was proactive. He had a plan. He trusted that if he would do his part, God would do his part. And then he stayed active in using his giftings to better other people. Daniel's a very, very proactive person. I'm gonna pick up with this a little bit more in depth next week, but let me summarize. Daniel, like Yeshua and like us, faced some very severe challenges. His country was conquered. He was taken captive to a foreign land. He was pressured to participate in pagan ways that violated God's law. But Daniel, he gives us some tools that we can apply today. First, he resolved in his heart what he would do and not do. He was active and not passive. He would not defile himself or compromise God's law. He stayed engaged with his purpose by using his gifts for God's glory. And in return, God granted him supernatural favor and gave him knowledge and wisdom to interpret visions and dreams that ultimately gave him an audience with the king, not just one time, three different kings. And the audience with the king gave him great influence over the most powerful nations on the earth at his time. What Daniel did not do was become passive or allow himself to be a victim and make a long list of excuses. You gotta understand, when Daniel was taken hostage, he probably did not initially think, oh, hey, this is, this is good. Because one day, I'm gonna have the ear of the most powerful king on the earth and I'm gonna influence the earth with my gifting of interpretations of dreams and visions. My guess is that's not where Daniel's mind was or his faith was at the moment he was taken hostage. But through faithfulness, being resolved, making good decisions, having a plan, being disciplined, staying proactive, and using his giftings, that's where he found himself over and over at the top. Satan kept trying to push Daniel down, and God kept elevating Daniel all the way to the audience with the king. Life is hard. But there's not a battle you're going to face that God doesn't want you to win. Take some of these tools home. I don't want to impress you today. I want to help you tomorrow. 
I want you to have victory. Let's pray. Prayer team, if you'll come and join me up front. Father in heaven, tough times we're in. Tough situations. We want to have compassion and sympathy and empathy on those that are struggling. We bless our soldiers. We bless our hostages. We bless our government to try to bring resolution to this war. We bless those that are innocently caught in the middle. But we need a lot of help, God, as your people. It's exhausting sometimes. But we are more than conquerors in Yeshua, our Messiah. Teach us the the doing part, God. What do we need to do? We're not trying to achieve our own salvation here. That's a gift from you. But what we are trying to achieve is victory in your name. The world already has hopelessness and depression. What we want to do is to show them what it's like to live in joy, peace, and victory. And we need your help to do it. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts tonight as we worship and pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's just worship for a moment. Let that marinate. If you need prayer, our prayer team is already on the sides waiting for you. I'll come back and I'll dismiss us in just a minute.